Thanksgiving break. Uh, a lot of you know that we support uh, several missionaries and support several ministries uh, in Bangalore, India. And so we went all last week over Thanksgiving and came back in on uh, late on Sunday night. But got the opportunity to go and serve and to bless and to be a part of their lives. And, uh, and they're all doing well. Tammy Hutchins, uh, Marlene Dillon Filan, and our very own uh, Cy and Lane Bagwell. We had a great time and going and just doing some coaching, doing some hanging out. I mean, honestly, we, here's the thing about missions and churches. A lot of times we send missionaries over and we throw money at them and we wave at them from a distance. But we really believe in doing missionary care, that we actually want to be part of their life, want to be investing into them. We want to be hanging out with them at least on an every other year basis, preferably every year. But that does take time and money. But, but we at least want to go over and visit them and see them. And so that's part of what this trip was for. We wanted to go and, and to visit them, be a part of their life see how they're doing, and, and it was really, really exciting. They're having a great time, doing some great work. Uh, we got to go and be a part of uh, just seeing part of some of the pieces that they're invested in and involved in at Daughters of Hope and at Crew Bay Home, and, and uh, we had a great time. Our girls, uh, both of them went, Anna Catherine and Sarah, my 11-year-old and 10-year-old, and they were rock stars. Come on now. They had a great time and just went and made a lot of friends and had a lot of fun. I learned a lot, and uh, so it was a great time. So thank you for letting us go and be a part of that. And and they definitely felt uh, they felt loved, which was the key that we wanted to happen. We just wanted them to feel loved, to feel encouraged, and to feel supported. And that happened. And uh, so continue to connect with them, shoot them emails, Viber them, box them, FaceTime them, Skype them, all sorts of ways you can connect with them. But make that happen. Just let them know how, how uh, proud of. How proud of them you are and how much we love them, especially at the holiday season. And so it would be great. Well, hey, I want to let you know, so earlier when we sent the um, baskets down, we had our year-end offering envelopes in them. And I want to go ahead and talk about that. Those of you who are new at Vintage, every year we do a year-end offering. This year I wanted to call it the year-end investment. And the primary reason is this, was I was praying about this year-end offering, what we were doing. I recognized that you know, what we're doing at, at, at Vintage with the money that comes in every year at the end of the year is that we take it and we invest it into the ministry of the kingdom, right? That, that the cool thing about Vintage is we don't have any debt. So we're not paying down some bad decision that we made, right, or some step that we took, whatever it may be, right, with debt. That we said, no, we are completely free and clear. And so we want to take this money and invest it into this into the, the mission of community transformation at Vintage 242. So, you know, over the years, we've invested into a lot of different places. A couple of years, we took $78,000. We took 100% of it, and we invested it into the needs of our people at Vintage. That was kind of the height uh, of, of the, the economic downturn. And so we recognize there are lots of people in Vintage who were just struggling. And so we said, hey, just bring us your bills. And we took $78,000 out of the 78000 that came in, and we just sent it out to those that we're in need. I'm not going to lie. I know Ed Fortier was a part of that conversation with us, Gary Givens, and then Randall. We sat at a, at a round table, and it was the most fun we've ever had at Vintage. Ed and I were, were like, it was just amazing, right? And so the idea at Vintage is that we want to come alongside of, uh, of these ministries or alongside of our people or alongside the vision that God's given us and to invest into those for the purpose of community transformation. And so this year is no difference. It's no different. We have those. So in the, in the basket of these envelopes, and so over the upcoming weeks, you have time to get that. And what I'm asking you to do is simply to pray, God, what would you have us do as a family? And here's the thing about those of you who are new at Vintage, you know how you may not know this, but I say this, I don't manipulate you. I don't tell you what you have to give. I don't try to throw out like hundreds and thousands. If you really love Jesus, tens of thousands, I don't do any of that crap. I simply say this, 
which is what it is. I say this. This is, our, this is kind of our mantra at Vintage. You pray and you ask God what, you, what he would have you give. And if he tells you to give something, you give. And if you're obedient to Jesus, then I'm cool with all of that. And that's all I ask you to do is just to pray, ask God what he would have you to give, and you be obedient. And at the end of the day, if you've been obedient to Jesus and you're cool with Jesus, then I'm cool with you and I'm cool with Jesus, the perfect trifecta. All right. And so this year, I invite you just to do that. We're going to be talking about it up upcoming weeks and we'll officially start taking up these offerings on December 21st. So you have a couple of weeks to pray, to get your envelope, that kind of stuff. We're going to be inviting one really cool thing this year before I kind of dive into what it's going towards is this. And this is this is really cool. We have something that we're calling the matching fund investment this year, where an opportunity has arisen at Vintage where every dollar that you give will be matched with $2.42. Is that pretty cool? Yeah, it's something that just kind of, one of those things kind of fell out of the sky. Opportunity arose for us. If you really want to know about it, I'm not going to tell you because this is some personal stuff. But someone has come and said, hey, we're going to make this happen. So for every dollar that you give, $2.42 will be given up, up to $30,000. And so this year, and here's the thing. When we had this conversation about this matching fund investment, I sat there going, oh, my gosh. Like, first, I was excited, and two, I was just soberly undone, if I can use those words, because someone believes in the vision, the vintage, the mission of what God is doing here enough to make that happen. And so I just want you to know this year as you do that, this is something we're excited about, something we believe God's going to move and do powerful things in. And so I encourage you again to pray, talk to your family about it, be obedient to God. The three things we're investing into are the thing we've been talking about all in, with our all-in campaign, discipleship, mission, and family. And I'm going to lay all of these out for you via email and upcoming Sundays, uh, discipleship, mission, and family. But this week I want to just focus on the family component of what we're going to be investing into. Number one is this. We can't stay here forever. As a family, we have to have a home. And so we're, we're going to take these, some of these monies, rather than pay off debt, is prepare ourselves to make a down payment of something, whatever God's going to have us do in the future. So we're going to set aside some monies just to kind of invest into the future of our family for wherever we go after this. Number two, we do recognize that there are still needs in our family. And so what we want you to do is this. If you would say, I'm in a place, Steve, where we're struggling, where if, if we just had someone to come alongside and paid and pay this big bill over here, it would really, really help us out a ton. We're going to do that this year. There's one major bill you have, we would say, is a life-sustaining bill that you would give that to us and we'll pay that. What do I mean by life-sustaining? Well, it's simply this. I'm not going to pay for things that aren't sustaining life for you, such as not paying for your cable bill. I know football's over, so you can't use that as an excuse right, to pay for your cable bill, right? We're not paying for cable bills. We're not paying your phone bill type stuff, right? You can get beyond, we can get by in life without those. But things keep a roof over your head that put clothes on your back and feed your family. Those types of things, we need an opportunity to bring those bills to us, bring one major bill to us, and we will come alongside and say, hey, 
Merry Christmas. Jesus loves you. Take this and be blessed. Okay, so just be preparing and thinking about that. Listen, if there's someone at Vintage, listen, here, this is just kind of family talk right here. If there's someone at Vintage you know is too proud to put that bill in, but you know they should, you can go ahead and press them hard to make that happen, right? We want to bless them and give money away to those that are in need this Christmas, okay? So please make that happen. And we'll talk to you more about how to make that happen and what you can do with that. Um, but I want you to be, begin preparing for those pieces. We have some other pieces in discipleship and mission that I'm really excited about. But we're going to hold off on those this morning. So I want you to be here next Sunday and the Sunday after so we can talk about those pieces more in depth. And you can look for it on the email coming up soon. So, everybody good with that? Feel good? All right. All right let's dive in this morning. Don't forget to get these year-end offering envelopes. They're actually in your baskets and on the Connect board out there. And you can just grab one and pray into it. And again, just pray. That's what God would have you do. And just be obedient to him. All right. Hey, so we got off the airplane uh, in Atlanta and we stepped into the Christmas season. That's so bizarre. Listen, to go from like Thanksgiving one, like you leave, it's Thanksgiving, and then you come back and it's Nat King Cole singing Chestnuts Roasting Open Fire, which I love that song, by the way. It's my favorite, right? And so, so you, we step into this holiday season. And, and it's one of those things that when every single person steps into the holiday season, it, the same thing is always said. This year, I'm going to focus on the real meaning of the season, and I'm not going to get caught up in all the hustle and bustle of everything. And then December 26th comes, you're like, thank God Christmas is over. Every year this happens, doesn't it? We find ourselves saying, this year is going to be different. And we get to the very end, and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm so glad that it's gone. Because we find ourselves, in the context of our life, getting just caught up in all the stuff, right? This year we're going to simplify, and you say that until you find yourself on Christmas Eve at 12.05, actually Christmas morning at 12.05 at Walmart, buying one more gift for your kids to show that you really do love them. And we find ourselves, all of us, caught in the trap and caught in this, just in this web every year. And every year we desire to, we desire to not miss the point, don't we? Every year we say, this year's going to be different. And if we're honest, most of the time, it is not. And so with that, I want to dive in to the words of the angel, the words of Jesus, the words of Luke, um, most probably well known as the words of Linus. In Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 8, get a picture of Linus, right, just walking onto the scene with his little bitty blue blanket, asking for a spotlight, right, coming with a little bitty lisp, and just beautiful, beautifully talking about the, the gospel of Jesus, the good news of Jesus. So we start here in verse 8 of Luke chapter 2, just have Linus in mind. Here we go. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Christ. He is the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, 
Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. So, in the midst of this hustle and bustle of Christmas, we find the voice of the angel declaring in verse 10 something that ultimately is the foundation of Christmas. It is the the message of the New Testament. And ultimately, it is the salvation message for all of humanity. He says in verse 10, the angel speaking, I bring you good news. I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all of the people present, past, present, and future. This is the good news. There's no other good news besides the good news of what the angel is speaking. I bring you good news of great joy, which is for all the people. All of us recognize that when we have good news, it's hard to suppress, isn't it? Like when you get to be the bearer of good news, what happens? You can't wait to share it. So ladies, your husband gets down on one knee, hopefully if he's a good husband, right? And proposes to you, puts the ring on your finger. Hopefully, hopefully you cried, unlike my wife, right? It's a tension point for us, okay? No, hopefully you cried. And then what do you do? What do you do? You stand up and you look for the phone. Because you have good news. You don't want to hold it in and say, oh, this is good news for us to share. No, you want to call every single person in your phone. So guess what happened? Guess where I am? Guess what's on my finger? Right? You want to tell the good news. Or the moment you find out you're pregnant and your parents have been waiting at home, waiting because all they really want to do in life is be a grandparent. That's all they've been waiting for. And you call and say, hey, what's going on? Nothing. What's going on with you? I don't know. I'm eating for a second. Oh, my gosh. Ah! Tears. I'm like my wife, right? No. But so you had this whole dynamic going down. Right? You're telling good news. You're not suppressing good news. Or think about the soldier who recognizes that he gets to come home for Christmas. And he gets to call home. Or she gets to call home. Coming home for Christmas. I mean, that's good news, isn't it? Like it moves your heart, even me saying it. Because there's something powerful in the good news that we get to share in situations where it is news that is great and it is good. And so when we think about these, these, these examples of good news, I want you to recognize that something is even more powerful when an angel gets to stand before a group of shepherds And it parts the heavens for a moment and says, I want you to see into the third realm because I want to tell you something that is good news, not just for you or you or you or you or you. It is good news for all, not even of all of humanity. It is good news for all of creation. And that, my friends, should make us stop and go, huh. Do I even know what the good news is? Is it actually defining my holiday season, let alone is it defining my life? 
if it's important enough for God to send an angel to share and then bring the hallelujah angel chorus behind it just to kind of make it really stick, do we know the good news? Is it really defining every bit of our being? Like when you sit this Christmas with your friends, maybe, and watch the Charlie Brown Christmas, and Linus walks out with his blue blanket, and someone sitting next to you, you're not sure they've ever heard the good news of what Linus is talking about, would you be able to tell them? Would you be able to say, let me tell you, let's press pause and tell you what this is all about, because it's the best news that the world literally, literally has ever known. And if you're sitting here kind of spinning in your head this morning with that, then good news. We're going to talk about the good news for the upcoming weeks and the nature of what the good news means for us, for it means us as a people, what it means for us at Christmas, what it means for our life, what it means for our neighbors, what it means for creation. So with that, we're going to dive into it this morning, this good news. Now. Romans chapter 1, verse 16, Paul speaking, I believe he sheds light very simplistically on the nature of what the good news is when he says in verse 16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, press pause. Gospel equals good news as small equals little. Right. These words are interchangeable. The gospel is good news. The good news is the gospel. Just as small is to little and little is to small. So if I I'm going to interchange those phrases, good news and gospel. Don't get confused. They're interchangeable and mean the exact same thing. Right. So let me start over again for I uh, Paul speaking for I am not ashamed of the gospel, the good news, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. Leaves first to the Jew and then to the Gentile. So just so you understand the Jew to the Gentile, all he's saying is when Jesus first came, he spoke first to the Jew, made it available to them. And secondarily, he spoke to the Gentile. That's all, all it means. Right. It's this this, this this line of events right here. So it's good news. The power of the good news is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. So the first thing we say about the good news is that the good news is all about salvation. It's all about salvation. And to understand the good news, you have to have a starting point. So I'm going to take us back to the starting point. God, before the beginning of time, in his infinite power, his infinite goodness, his infinite holiness, and infinite personal loving nature, he created the world and everything in it. Created all things. He created human beings to, to share in his love, the love that he shared among the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, right? And he created us to, to serve him and to serve others and not to serve ourselves. He serves us, right? We serve him. We serve one another. And everyone serves us. It's a beautiful, beautiful relationship, an interdependent relationship here of us to one another and then God putting us in this relationship with him. Beautiful. Beautiful. And so we have this creation, this relationship, but then we all know what happens. In early part of Genesis, human beings shifted, and what they did, they decided to choose self. 
They gave in to sin, which are acts of defiance and disobedience towards God and his plan for creation. Sin entered the world. Our defiance, defiance, human defiance entered the world. Disobedience entered the world. And at this point, human beings no longer had a relationship with God. C.S. Lewis calls it the great divorce. He did not divorce us. Our sin divorced us from him. We had the great divorce. And since this fall, this separation, since this great divorce from relationship, we now live in a world, and you all know this, with suffering, sickness, disease, poverty, natural disaster, war, aging, God forbid, and death. We have all of these things. The world was lost and broken, and it needed to be rescued. Have you ever seen the movie Vantage Point? You ever seen that? You ever seen that movie? Okay. It's a pretty cool movie. And the whole idea of the movie is this. You get to hear the story of the movie from different vantage points, different perspectives. And so the movie starts, and it goes through from one person's perspective, and all of a sudden, it rewinds. That's a rewind sound from back in the olden days, right? Had this rewind sound back, right? And, and all of a sudden, you get an advantage point, another perspective from the story. And then it rewinds to a third vantage point, hearing the scene the same story. All of a sudden, you begin to get the whole picture from different vantage points, different perspectives. So when we tell the story of, of Genesis 3 and the fall of man, fall of humanity, the primary characters in our story usually are God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, uh, definitely Adam and Eve, and somewhere in the mix, the serpent, the enemy, right? The one who comes and tempts them. But the one perspective we probably never talk about, and never even thought about, is the perspective of the angels. Right? Like, you might all sit there and go, oh, I wonder what happened to the angels. I wonder what they were thinking the entire time. Because the angels were present from the beginning, right? They're, they're listening to Father, Son, Holy Spirit. They're listening to them talk about creation and talk about this world and light and darkness and fish and all these sorts of things. They're like, what are, what are these things they are talking about, right? We've never seen these things before. But they start talking about the pinnacle of creation and, and man and, and woman and all these pieces, right? It's just all these, they're like, what is this thing they are talking about? This sounds amazing. And all of a sudden, God begins to do these things and stir. And God maybe probably caused the Big Bang. And all of a sudden, Big Bang. All of a sudden, things are moving and stirring, whatever it may be. And, and all of a sudden, begin to watch as creation began to be formed. And the angels are going, this is amazing. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who's creating and who's doing these things. He's so great. i got to say it again. Holy, holy. It's like all day long you're just going around the, around the throne saying, this is amazing. Like in our words, God, you're the, oh my gosh, you're amazing. And it's like, this is speaking these realities and they watch this human being to this intimate relationship with the, with the Father, Son, Holy Spirit and they actually understood the Trinity somehow back then, right? And this is beautiful piece of relationship like oh this is so good and we get to have a job we're ministering to creation and ministering to these human beings and it's so good and oh this is so great and and what's it what's it what's tilty doing what's this what's the serpent doing what and then what no 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 don't worry she's not they're not going to turn away from oh my gosh she ate the apple oh no The vantage point of the angel. 
watching sin enter the world, watching separation of humanity from God, watching this divine and holy and perfect relationship split, and now there's this massive void. They literally watched as creation came under the weight of hell and the weight of sin. Imagine their, their perspective, their vantage point. So you've got to give some grace to Angel Buddy here, whoever he is. I mean, he's pumped. He's excited because he's had the vantage point from here up to here. He's like, guys, 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 it's good news. It's so exciting. You can't believe what's about to happen. Salvation is coming. Jesus is coming. God is coming to earth to set relationship right with humanity. And I'm so excited. I can't suppress it. It's better than soldiers coming home. It's better than giving birth. It's better than getting, than getting engaged. This is the best good news the world has ever known. And I can't wait to be the herald of joy, to be the one who's bringing the good news. You can't believe what's about to happen. He's telling the Christmas story a whole lot better than Linus, even. This is the good news. Jesus is coming to save the world, to restore fallen creation back to its proper order, to bring Eden back to earth. So the second part is good news is about salvation accomplished for us. Salvation accomplished for us. If you've ever read the Bible and ever read the Old Testament, you can basically sum it up this way. Human beings in their own power could never restore their relationship with God. That's the entire Old Testament. Take your Bible. If it's this thick right here, like this much from here up, basically is telling you human beings in trying to keep the law, doing enough good things, cannot reestablish and maintain an ongoing relationship with God. They couldn't do it. They could not be good enough. They couldn't do it in their own strength. They could not bridge and fix the great divorce. They could not bridge the great divide of separation. That's the whole story of the Old Testament. Human beings cannot do it in their own power. And the angel knew this. He knew only God in his power and his authority could fix the broken relationship. The movement of God, the angel is sharing here, the, the fix this relationship, the, the movement of God to fix this relationship, that, my friends, is the good news. That God without us ever earning or deserving it, move towards us out of great compassion and pity and love for a fallen people. God entered the world in the person of Jesus to put things right. We call this the incarnation. Jesus, God, becoming a man. Becoming a human being, experiencing what we experience, going through what we go through, 
suffering like we suffer. So he understands everything that we're going through. And into this moment, God is looking into the world he has made. He sees its lostness and he moves. God did something amazing. He wrote himself into the story of human history as its main character. And he became the hero of the story. Don't you love the power of authors? The power of authors? Like, the power of authors, they can all of a sudden, at any moment, create a whole new storyline and introduce new characters at any time. And so, like, could you imagine, like, could you imagine being back in the worst years of your life, junior high? Could you imagine if you had a pen and you could write your own storyline every day about what happened? And like, and then all of a sudden, as I stood by my locker, the three bullies walked up. You're like, oh, and then my 350 pound muscular cousin walked in the door and said, what's up? And they all looked at them and ran. Ha, that would have been awesome to be the author of your own story. And Jesus, if you recognize, listen, God, listen, we call, I mean, you've heard this analogy before. I'm going to say it's a little cheesy, but forgive me anyway, right? History is his story. Right? History is his story. And at any time, he gets to, as the author of his story and of history, he's able to write in anything he wants to. And in this moment, in the fallenness of man, the brokenness of relationship, in the middle of the great divorce, he said, it is time. It is time. The angels go, yes! This is be so good. Can I tell it? Can I tell it? Can I tell it? Can I go and tell everybody the good news? Like, whoa, whoa, whoa. One person. Oh, my gosh. Let me do it. Let me do it. Let me do it. Let me do it. Right? To play pick rock scissors, right? Okay, my turn. I'm just kidding. I have no idea what happened, but someone got picked. He was awesome to tell the good news. Boom, boom, boom. Uh, hold on, boom. Whatever, right? The best news the world's ever known. I just made the whole pick rock scissors thing up, by the way. So anyway, so this whole dynamic going down of good news of God intervening into the writing himself into the story as the hero. But here's the crazy thing: He didn't write himself in as the heroes you think about because he recognized sin and disobedience requires punishment. So he became the substitution. He says, "I will take your punishment. I will be in your place. I will take." your pain and your suffering and the guilt, and I'll put it upon me, and in turn, I will give you my blessing and my acceptance. Substitution. He comes in as the hero by substituting himself and putting himself into our story. Listen, if someone harms us, if someone takes money from us, if they punish us, if they do something and, and destroy our reputation... To hold them accountable, two things can happen. Either we make them pay us back, or we forgive them. Right? If someone sins against you, someone hurts you, there's two possible outcomes. Either they have to pay, have to pay you back compensation, right, to make it right, or you forgive them. And if you forgive them, it means you absorb the cost yourselves without compensation. You absorb it. You take it. And that's what Jesus is saying here. On the cross, Jesus received our guilt, our rejection, our condemnation that we deserve. So that when we believe in him, we get 
everything that belongs to him. And that, my friends, is nutty. Not only am I going to forgive you, but I'm going to give you all of my blessings, my power, my goodness, my acceptance, my kindness, and my love. The angels are like, my friend, that's good news, y'all. I can't wait to tell it. I can't wait till you embrace it. I can't wait till you are awakened to the reality of it because it will shape your life, your Christmases, and everything beyond it. That Jesus comes in and does this work. We realize what Jesus did for us. It changes everything the way we regard God, ourselves, the world, and Christmas. This is the power of the good news. Jesus would give us his freedom, and he took our guilt. The message of the good news is that Jesus did a work that we cannot and could never do to provide a salvation that we can't produce. We can't bridge the gap. We can't bridge the great divide. Only he can. So the big question then becomes for us, how do we access this good news? How do we, how do we grab hold of it? How can we receive this salvation? And, and, and it's simple, by putting our faith, trust, and belief in Jesus. Listen, you all have heard this. My fear is that you're tuning me out because you've heard the message. But let me tell you something. This good news is salvation for yesterday, is salvation for today, and is salvation for tomorrow. Because I don't know about you, but there are things daily I need Jesus to save me from and to move in. And only the good news of Jesus, the power of his gospel, does it for me every day. And if I'm not embracing the good news every day, then I'm not fully embracing Jesus in his fullness. So hear the good news of Jesus and recognize it was for yesterday, it is for today, and it is for you forever. How do we access it? By putting our faith, our trust, and our belief in Jesus. You've heard this. You're going to tune me out on this one too. John 3.16. For God so loved a stinky, rotten, sin-infested person and people and world that He gave His only Son that whoever believes in, has faith, and trusts Him will have eternal and everlasting life with Him in perfection and glorious, radiant beauty. I'm adding those pieces. Do you celebrate John 3.16 every morning you wake up and listen to Nat King Cole? The good news of Jesus, that he is living to bring life to us. He died to bring life to us. So putting faith in him first, we put our trust in Jesus to save us. We don't put trust in ourselves. We, by nature, are very good at taking care of things ourselves. The old American ingenuity. We can do it, pull up the bootstraps and make it happen, right? And we can fix things, we can fix our brokenness, and we find ourselves, what do we do? Getting frustrated and burned out on life. And Jesus is saying, if you'll just put your faith, hope, and trust in me, I will give you the fruit of my presence, which is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. So how do I know if I'm living a gospel life engaged in the goodness of Jesus? My life is always marked by love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. 
Second thing about faith uh, is, is this. Let me find myself. Here we go. It's not the quality of our faith that saves us. It is what Jesus has done for us that saves us. It's not the amount of our faith, but the object of our faith that saves. Because we cannot, listen, we are really good at this. We cannot get caught up in the feeling of our faith. We cannot be bound up by the feeling of our faith. That's what, that's what causes people to do this. One day, they feel like they love Jesus. They feel the nearness of Jesus. And so their faith is strong and they're great and they're doing great with Jesus. And all of a sudden, another day happens. They wake up on the wrong side of the bed and they're like, oh, faith and trust. Oh, and they're like living in this place of condemnation and turmoil. They don't think that they're, they're not good, good enough Christians or whatever it may be. And so they're living in this tension of their faith not being good enough or being strong enough. So Tim Keller spoke to this. I thought it was great. So I'm, going to, I'm just going to share it with you. It's a story about it says two people come up to a plane. One person, man, they have great faith, hope, and confidence that this plane is going to take them from point A to point B. They understand and trust the physics of the air coming out of the wing and kind of causing it to raise up. They look into the uh, cockpit, see a completely sober pilot. They're excited about that, right? And so they're like, man, we're going to get from point A to point B. They sit down in their first class chair, kick back, and they just relax. Things. I'm just going to enjoy the ride. Second person, he's out here, he's looking at the plane, you know, and walks up and goes, kicks it. What's this thing made of anyway? All right? I'm not sure about getting on this plane. It's a big airplane to be in a big sky with nothing between us but air, right? Okay. Oh, my gosh. Has he been drinking in there? Oh, my gosh. He's drunk. I got a drunk pilot. Oh, Jesus. Oh, my gosh. What am I going to do? Oh, my gosh. I'm sitting in the back row next to the, tr- next to the bathroom. Oh, my gosh. Oh, please. Oh, my gosh. I'm going to get on. I'm going to get on and in my struggles and in my difficulties still put trust in faith that I'm going to get there. Do you know what happens at the end of the flight? They both get off at their destination. One person with this high quality of like, oh, look at the faith of Jesus, right? Mountain movers is what we call them, right? M&M, huh? We got over here, person over here struggling like, oh my gosh, today is so hard to be a Christian. I mean, I don't, I don't want to doubt, but there's so many things I question God, I'm, 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 I want to believe. I'm trusting to the best of my ability. God, I do believe. Help my unbelief. But to the best of my abilities, I trust you. See, not the quality of faith that saves us. It's Jesus who saves us. And when we wrestle our quality of faith, and it literally causes us to pull away sometimes, we say, but Jesus... If I think it's my faith working itself out, then it's works. It's my ability, I think, that saves me. I say today, in my doubts, in my struggles, I trust you. Help me trust you more. And in that, you find a quality of our faith that Jesus is saying, I take what you give me. You have faith. Welcome. I will help you grow and mature. And so as we come into this season 
of faith and of belief and of trust in the gospel and the good news of Jesus and the work of him in our lives and him bridging the great divide and coming in the moment and substituting himself in our place and saying, I want to give you every gift I've ever, the Father's ever given me. I want to give it to you. Why? Because I've earned it. Of course not. Idiot. He would never say that, right? But he's thinking it probably. No, of course not. I'm giving it to you because I love you. Because I brought you into my family. Because I love you with every fiber of my being. I want you to come in. What about you? I'll take all of your guilt, all of your condemnation, all of your fear, all of your worry all of your anxiety, all of your doubt, I'll take it upon me. Don't worry, I've got it. And so when the angel stood before the lowly shepherds, it wasn't like this. Oh, shepherds, I come with great news, good, good news of great joy. No, like, listen! There's a level of excitement, this anticipation of God restoring Eden to earth. God restoring relationship of God to humanity for those who would simply believe. And now that we believe, we've by faith come in and given our life to Him. And are now following Him every day of our life and made Him Lord of our life. And in that moment, He says, and everything I have belongs to you. And my friends, I want you to fight for the good, the good news of Christmas and the hustle and bustle of the season. I don't care if you watch Charlie Brown's Christmas every night just to hear the message. So our response this morning is, is simple. There are two types of people. Those who've never gotten onto the plane. Like you're out there kicking it. You're out there going, I'm not sure about this plane thing. It seems kind of ludicrous. I mean, I'm not even sure it's real, right? I mean, who knows, whatever it may be. This plane thing, I don't know about that. It sounds kind of crazy. And God's simply saying, listen, if you sinned once, you're separated from me. It's just how it is. But I've, made, I've already made a way. I've already written myself into your story. I'm wooing you to myself. If you will listen and get onto the plane, then I will fly you to your destination. The second response is for those who have gotten onto the plane, looked up to the cockpit and said, I've gotten on. It's probably best if I go ahead and steer it. Right. Those of us who get on and say, now that I've given my life to Jesus, I'm going to go ahead and do my best to make myself good enough for him. I'm going to make myself right. I'm going to do the work. I'm going to put forth the energy. But the idea, and I've already said it, is this. If Jesus' work of the good news, the cross, and his resurrection is salvation. It's salvation from sin. And it's salvation from the results of sin, which are fear, worry, Anger, substance abuse, broken marriages, children that are lost, and brokenness in our lives. If, he, if he's the only one who could save us then, he is the only one who can save us now, and he's the only one who can save us for eternity. And some of us need to say, God, whew, there you go. I'll take my seat back here, and whatever you want me to do, just let me know. Let's pray. Father, we, uh, we thank you. Father, we, we know that in so many ways, Lord, we have, 
we have um, limited the reality of the good news of Jesus in our minds to be just something that we adhere to with beliefs rather than a lifestyle that we embrace and celebrate at the work of Jesus, of his, of his coming to earth, his life, his death, his resurrection, and then the sending of his spirit to empower us. And so, Father, we come this morning. I pray for both sets of people. I pray, God, this morning for, for those who do not know you. And, God, there's so many reasons why people don't know you. Some of it's ignorant. Some of it they just don't like you very much because of what they think that you've done because of fear, because of the things done to them. But, Father, this morning, I just pray for them. Father, the good news is enough. I pray that you would use it this morning to speak deep into the core of each of our beings. To say, I don't understand, but I know it to be true. The nature of faith. God, I pray for those who are like me who are on the plane and we're just trying to take the, every day we get it to take the, the controls. Lord, help us today. We want you to save us again and again and again and again. Because once you write yourself into our story, you never leave. So, Father, we ask for help this morning. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Response is simple this morning. If you, I'm going to be sitting.